0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Tall Poppy refers to someone who is noticeably successful. Defined as wealthy, prestigious, influential, ranked, or even born, and who may attract hostility, envious attention, or malice, tall poppy syndrome, TPS, is the psychological condition where some people hold someone in contempt in order to cause them to fail or to suffer disgrace by trim, cutting him or her down to size. Even though TPS has been documented in most countries using a variety of metaphors, words, and phrases, it is rarely mentioned in the United States. In sharing Douglas's experiences with others and writing about tall poppy syndrome, he helps readers learn about this syndrome. Tall poppies are described in his book in detail, with a section devoted to their societal benefits. The book also describes emotions such as bullying and schadenfreude, which are similar to TPS, as well as examples of tall poppies and fallen poppies, including fallen poppies cut by the U.S. government. Valeria interviews Douglas Garland, the author of The Tall Poppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down. Dr. Doug Garland practiced orthopedic surgery in Southern California for 37 years, He is a clinical professor of orthopedic surgery at the University of Southern California and published more than 110 peer-reviewed scientific articles. After experiencing the tall poppy syndrome TPS firsthand, Dr. Garland began a 10-year journey researching TPS. This exploration began in ancient Greece where the syndrome was first described to modern times and involved various countries, customs, and cultures specific emphasis was directed towards Australia where TPS is a cultural pastime. To his surprise, it was recognized everywhere in one form or another, except in America. After studying America's emotional cultural behavior, Dr. Garland concluded that TPS was prominent in America, perhaps more so than in any other country, but it is unrecognized. Emotional behaviors of the cutter and cutie were identified. The result was the definitive tome, The Tall Poppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down, and more than 600 citations, which is available on Amazon. Meet Douglas at Douggarland.com. Here's the interview with Douglas Garland.
0: In your own words, who is Douglas Garland today? The
2: old Douglas Garland was. uh... An orthopedic surgeon for 37 years in Southern California who was also an academic orthopedics and published a lot of papers. And now I'm retired for eight years and I spend most of my days enjoying my life and contemplating the tall poppy syndrome.
0: The definition of success and happiness. What is success to you these days? And is this the kind of success as you understand? also happiness or do you distinguish success from happiness? You separate them.
2: No, I separate them. Um, I I don't think you can really try to achieve happiness. I'm of the opinion that happiness happens. So hopefully if you define a successful outcome you'll find happiness. But you know, happiness is having a good friend. Happiness is helping your next door neighbor. And success is often related to your job. And so when I look at myself, I was a very successful orthopedic surgeon in Southern California. I had a huge private practice. I was also in academics and published over 120 peer reviewed articles. And so by, the meritocracy of America, I would say I, I was a very successful orthopedic surgeon. That doesn't necessarily mean that I was a happy orthopedic surgeon. Uh, happiness, I think, is very divorced from many times you, your work life and and so that, uh, you know, work is work. I mean, being a doctor can be very painful. I, I took call every night. I was by my phone. I was on call on the weekends. So there's a lot of stress to that. And that stress, you know, leads to burnout and unhappiness. So sometimes um, the professional success of one's work is completely divorced from one's personal happiness. My personal happiness, actually, when I was practicing was a garden that I had. I had a huge vegetable garden and Mm -hmm. I had about 40 to 60 tomato plants. And I have to tell you, I had more happiness in that than I did during my private practice.
0: I can see that um, very much being true reality. I love your answer. Yeah, success for most people is not connected to happiness. Talk to me for a moment about the transition from being a doctor to the author of the tall poppy syndrome.
2: Well, once again, when you look at work, especially in America, um, your work defines you. And so people thought of me as a doctor and not as a person. And that was I relocated uh, from Southern California. Now I live on the central coast of California, and I wanted to change not change who I was, but I wanted that person that I was uh, to sort of disappear and start over. And the best way for me to do that was to relocate because if if people saw me out in my garden, I would still be Dr. Garland to most of the public, and and I was done with that particular aspect of my life. So I, I relocated, and and really started anew. And the interesting thing, of course, was that I had been what we call in the business tall poppy, meaning that uh, somebody had cut me down. So that gave, uh, retirement gave me a lot of time to think about that, the implications about that. And that then, of course, led to the book The Tall Poppy Syndrome, which I published earlier this year. And the two people, intrinsically, the people are the same, but now I'm much more religious. I have time to Go to church and go to Bible studies and to read, read the Bible, and I do a lot more uh, just reading and thinking every day. My wife and I spend an hour walking the beach uh, since we're in a coastal resort town. So I have lots of time to think about myself and my person and my neighbors and and uh, what what the meaning of life is and what true happiness is.
0: That's wonderful to hear. It sounds beautiful to me, the transition between working, doing what you, you're you doing, feeling the way you did with the unfortunate, let's say, situation that you went through with the tall poppy syndrome that you didn't know at the time what it was. And then you have been doing a lot of research and you have introduced it to me, actually. I had never heard about this syndrome before. So with that in mind, since you mentioned religion, spirituality, what is your view of life these days through the lens of spirituality or religion?
2: Well, one of the um, huge things that I discovered uh, writing The Tall Poppy Syndrome was I was trying to figure out how to be a tall poppy. And that's kind of what you're describing on successful and personal success and your work and professionalism. And, you know, there's 10,000 self-help books published annually. So it's not only me. America as a whole is looking for that. And the problem I came across, or at least in my mind, was that if there are ten thousand books being published every year, the the ability that they're they're what they're inspirational, but they're not transforming people. If people were being transformed, there wouldn't be ten thousand books the next year. There would maybe be five thousand books the next year, and the next year there would be twenty five hundred books. So people weren't, aren't being transformed, or they're not. The undergoing transformation and then going into action. So, that part of my thinking then was, how? What's the simplest way that I can make people become tall poppies? In 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 the essence of that thinking, then I decided that, or I concluded that the biggest way to be a tall puppy is to serve your fellow man. And if you think about it, that's that's really what Christ did. He, he had a very simple message. And if you I I'm retired so it's very easy for me to serve my neighborhood. I'm the garbage collector guy when when it's time to take the garbage cans out, I make sure the neighbors Garbage cans are out, and I frequently take my neighbor's garbage cans in. It's this small task, but all of them appreciate it. And we're in a retirement community, so there's a lot of people on my block that come here on the weekends, and they're not here on the day to take the garbage can in and out. Right. So that simple thing is very meaningful on my block. That
0: makes me think of kindness. You actually mentioned that. It might be the antidote, right, Douglas, to envy and all the um the seven sins, as you mentioned too. One of the insights you gained about the studying Christianity or the Catholic tradition, the, the philosophy, the seven deadly sins. I have heard about that, of course. And you also mentioned earlier that for every sin there is a virtue. So I'd love to hear more about them. What are they?
2: Well, let's, um, let's do two things. Let's first describe um, emotions themselves. Emotions are very, um, the definition of an emotion is one thing, but there's also the way the psychologist looks at emotion, and emotion, they just call an emotion a functional state. They just leave it at that which is which is nice but i actually like the positive side of an emotion and the negative side so envy is my favorite emotion i think it's the most common emotion it's an emotion that's always going on i mean when you first see somebody the comparison emotion is on you're looking at who they are their physique their their clothes you know you're you're sadly forming an opinion on them So that's more important or not more important than love, but you're not loving them. So I always feel that the best study in the study, the emotion I studied the most was was, um, the comparison emotion, envy. Now, envy is divided into two things, good envy and bad envy. And Aristotle did that clear back in ancient Greece. So he, we've only refined that definition, but that he looked at that concept way back. And the good envy, then, is to look at your neighbor, and he has a nice home and um, neighborhood pride. So the good envy would be, well, I want my home and my yard to be as nice as his. So you, whatever you do, hire somebody, work on it yourself but you and try and prove yourself and your home to be equal to your neighbor. That's a very positive thing, and that's very positive for all America. I mean, if you're a tennis player, you don't get somebody to go play with that's worse than you. You're never going to prove yourself. You always have to have – that's why we have statues is not adoration but emulation. They did usually something meaningful – something better than the rest of us. And so you look at that person and you want to improve yourself. Unfortunately, that takes a lot of work and people don't always do that. It's much easier. And then we had religion come in specifically Catholicism because I was uh, raised in a religious Irish Catholic family and the emotion of envy is is a negative in one of the seven deadly sins so the negative emotion is coveting coveting somebody's wife coveting somebody's goods and you look at your neighbor and you maybe have a little low self-esteem and you in your mind you know your mind this is another good message for it your listeners, your mind actually controls your emotions. And so in your mind, you you make a conscious decision that you're not going to emulate them positively and try and prove yourself or your home, or either, I mean, it can be laziness, which is also a deadly sin. That's one of the seven, laziness, uh, which is the cause of bad envy and the coveting is uh, bad envy and you try and either destroy some of their their maybe their car as we talked the first time we you scratch key the car or you punch a tire out Uh, you're actually trying to destroy their happiness but that's a positive bad action meaning that you take some direct action and also you can just do disparaging remarks to the neighborhood about why you think that person's a bad person. So that's bad envy. And unfortunately, that drives much of America. We're a meritocracy. Mm -hmm. And if we can't improve ourselves at work, we have trouble climbing the ladder of success and competing for the next uh, job opening. The easier thing to do is cut the other person down Rather mm-hmm. than improve yourself. and and so that is the negative emotion or one of the seven deadly sins. Now, the seven deadly sins have become uh, extremely important to me. The seven deadly sins were actually described by I think pope clement Pope Clement in the fourth century. Strangely enough, it was a guide to the monks who lived in a monastery. I don't know why you'd have to tell the monks how to behave when they should be praying every day. But anyway, he came up with the seven deadly sins. And the seven deadly sins are envy, which is bad envy, which is usually found in the cutter, in the tall poppy syndrome, Uh, anger. The definition of anger is there's an obstacle Uh, in your way, and you can't remove it. That's why you get angry. So uh, how it relates to the tall poppy syndrome is that there's another person in your way preventing you from the promotion. So you want to cut that person down. So that's bad anger. Positive anger would be, anger makes you actually focus. So good anger would be um, that person is a little better than I am. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to spend my energy working harder, coming in early, leaving late, having all my work done. So anger can be positive, once again, if we look at the positive-negative aspect. And the last um, of the three deadly sins that are most commonly found in the cutter is uh, what we mentioned, laziness for sloth, SLOth. Those are part of three of the seven deadly sins. Now interestingly enough, the cutter through moral justification feels that he has the right to cut down a tall poppy. And here we find three other reasons that he feels justified, and cutting those poppies down. And that's because of pride or hubris. Somebody, um, it becomes too big for their britches. That's pridefulness. The next would be greed, which, of course, in America is a very common reason to, um, you know, you get greedy and you cheat people, and we just have that cryptocurrency fraud going on. So that's a, that's an example of the tall poppy syndrome, somebody being tall poppy because of his egregious activities, which involve pride, number one, and two, greed. And then the third is lust. Uh, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the media was cut down in the Me Too movement, and that was for a lot of pride in almost all those men, some greed, uh, but lustfulness. So those are three also of the uh, deadly sins. So we have three found in the cutter, three found in the uh, tall poppy who uses those negative emotions, and then the cutter feels justified in cutting that person down. The only one, um, sin we don't mention in the tall poppy syndrome is gluttony. But that those seven... Um, make up the seven deadly sins and six of them are commonly found in the tall poppy syndrome. Now, in Christianity, especially Catholicism, the way you modify your bad behavior uh, is to look at the opposite, which would in envy would be kindness. And so kindness is the antidote to bad envy. So in your neighbor, for example, who knows what would be ha- if you have bad envy and you're disparaging uh, your next door neighbor. What if he had a nice Porsche and you had low self-esteem and you were so envious and thought bad of him and then you went over instead of bad envy, you said, gee, I just admire your car. However, did you afford that? And because you've been kind to him, he opens a little secret that the rest of the neighborhood doesn't know, that Mm -hmm. he went into the dealership. Somebody had turned that car in. They uh, couldn't afford it. They made the down payment. They only had it for a couple months. They turned it in. There was no scratches. It was brand new. But because it was off the lot, and as you know, as soon as you drive off, You lose marked value in the car. The car now had to be labeled as used. Uh, You could still have the warranty, but now the price dropped five or six thousands. So now you had an opening to how maybe you could improve yourself and find a deal like that. So by just being kind uh, the whole world, op- a new world open to you, how you could improve yourself, how you could maybe look for a deal. And all it took was to go to your neighbor, be kind to him, and you found a little secret of life.
0: Kindness being the secret of life itself, from my point of view. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I love the work that you have been doing, because it, it is exposing a lot of truth that we are often kind of Turning our attention away from, and that is our inner world, how the mind operates, how all these thoughts sometimes they show up without our even our awareness, they just come up. And as I kind of briefly talked to you off record today, I learned to just ignore them in a way, but not I- ignoring it in a sense of pushing them away or trying to escape any thoughts. Or any any emotion anything that comes up, I learn to be very kind with my own emotions and thoughts, and then, in return, they are kind to me in the sense of letting me to be kind, <laughs> giving that space, I feel like I have more space to be kind. It's a sense of freedom in a way because I have been kind to my own mental processes, anything that shows up, I'm very open to them. I'd love to hear from you what, what your thoughts are on that.
2: I agree with you. Kindness, I think, for me, um, is certainly one of the most um, necessary and should be the one of the most prevalent uh, virtues. One, because I, my own opinion, once again, is em- the emotion of envy is always on. And it's very easy to be negative, and so to change that, uh, you just need to think of kindness. So it's foremost for me. But there's one thing I, I don't disagree with you, but I I like to not deny the outside world, but rather change your thinking about it. So let's just take the. Everything's political, and I don't even like to die, deny politics because everybody, everything seems to be driven by politics. So we can just take uh, the last uh, election and the House of Representatives going to the re- Republican side. So if you're a Democrat, you're, you're, thought of that is going to drive your emotion, and, and that's really unfortunate because that's going to drive you into depression. It's going to drive you into sadness. It's going to um, drive you into most likely bad envy. That's what that drives that bad envy, to comparison, and then and, and actually into anger, too. Now that, now we get into conspiracy theory and, 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 you know, you want to take revenge and, and cut somebody down. So the, you, you have to still be aware of, of that sort of obstacle or that thing and not go into uh, denial. But you, you need to flip your internal switch. And to think about something positive to include something kind that can happen to that. And maybe, just maybe, that having the House belong to the Republicans, they could come up with a good idea and inflation might not be so bad. So that's that's how... I think you always need to look at life that just because an obstacle's been put in in front of you, um, the best thing to try and do is figure out how you can turn that into a positive and take take advantage of that. You need you need to do uh, you need to try and harbor. Positive, a positive emotion because if you harbor, and that's what happens unfortunately in politics, they're all negative emotions. And negative emotions drive, drive uh, your feelings and then, then you, you're, you're unhappy just with something simple like politics, which is completely out of your control. And you want to you want to control yourself, and don't don't let politics control
0: you. That's a, another very insightful and, and deep philosophy. And I know that is um, very much the case. It is the philosophy of Stoicism, which I have studied myself too. I was very interested. And this idea of controlling, as I mentioned off record to to you, Douglas. Not that I kind of pushed them away, the word away, control. It does imply trying to suppress, trying to, almost like forcing. There's something about forcing what is natural. And I do see feelings as very natural. They just come up. We cannot control them. We cannot even, they just show up in the body, in the mind, in form of thoughts. So we can't really try to box them or push them away. So... Is there any other way that you have another, let's say, another way we can go with that same idea?
2: Uh, we did discuss control. <laughs> I'll use direct, but yeah, <laughs> but your your emotions are actually controlled by your beliefs. So if you if you harbor the wrong belief, just as your neighbor, if you harbor um, the wrong belief about him. They're going to trigger or direct. I won't use control, but they'll control bad, bad envy. So, your beliefs do, to a certain extent, control how you behave. And that's the problem. Um, I don't know if you wanted to discuss near enemies, but that's. So, let me, let me, let me, which I think your listeners. Can get this? I think because I think this is so important because our country is so divided. In Buddhism, they have um, near and far enemies. So the if you take say King Henry the Eighth in ancient, not ancient, but in mid-century England or later when they had kingdoms, the Far enemy would be France, which they were always fighting. So they all knew who the far enemy was. Everybody knew the far enemy. But the near enemy was somebody on your staff who was going to poison you or something. And those were the unknowns. So the near enemy is is really something that you're not aware of. And in 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 us, As far as I'm concerned, it's some emotion that your your mind is controlling, which is not based on true fact. So let me uh, let's look at um, the cancel culture, for example, which is huge right now in our wokeism. So the enemy would be the prejudice. Everybody knows what the enemy is. But what we're struggling with as a country and people are are, are deciding which people need to be cut down. And unfortunately, when you have a movement, uh, there's a lot of collateral damage. And so it's the... The true enemy of this is uh, self-righteousness, not righteous indignation, which is driven by true moral authority. Everybody's looking for moral authority. And that would be kindness. Kindness is a moral authority. All all the Stoics, the virtues drove wisdom. So if you, you had all the virtues that, were opposite the seven deadly sins, you would have a certain uh, moral authority of righteous indignation which would, would drive all of that and it would be acceptable. And that's why the cutter feels justified in cutting down the egregious activity of a tall poppy. But unfortunately, we've now become a country of self-righteousness. And it's the self-righteousness that is the near enemy of righteous indignation. And that self-righteousness, I feel, is becoming a big cutter in our society and cutting down tall poppies inappropriately. And it's only through virtue and this Actually, The Tall Poppies is a self-help book because we'll go through that in a second. I'll tell you how that works. Um, it's cognitive distancing so that you have to be able to uh, distance yourself from everything and think about kindness and really evaluate what's happening to the movement and to your own mental thinking about it because your mental thinking is driving your emotion. And just maybe uh, you have what they call uh, disputation. You can think, you can dispute your own madness and change your opinion. You know, there's there's a, the guy's on the podium and he says to his audience, who wants change? Everybody raises their hand, everybody wants change. And then he says, now who wants to change? And of course, no hands <laughs> go. <back>. Yes. <laughs> so the whole concept is to <laughs> to um, try not you don't want to be making people change. You're never, you know, if you if if you're a democrat and I'm going to try and change you to be a Republican. That's never, that's not how life works. That's not how many things work. Most of the time you have no control. Once again, on your external people or circumstances, you only have control of, of yourself. So maybe you're the one, maybe you're the one that should be raising your hand. So let if I can, I'll show you how this, um, the t- understanding the tall poppy syndrome Um, can help you with this cognitive distancing. We can take the uh, recent Academy Award Awards show where Chris Rock made a remark which Will Smith took as disparaging about his life. And once once again, that was all, to a certain extent, Will Smith's... um, mental thinking about that, because when I listened to it, I thought that that it was um, a compliment because it came from uh, a movie star who had shaved her head for a movie and gained a lot of accolades for doing that and said how beautiful it was. So I interpreted that was that she looked very beautiful with her baldness. Anyway, Will Smith took that not to be as I took it. And he uh, has what I call peer-to-peer tall poppy syndrome, which is the tall poppy syndrome mostly is driven by peer-to-peer, meaning people in your Try people in your neighborhood, people in your school, people at your work, people that you're familiar with, and they don't even have to be tall poppies. But anyway, he's appeared to Chris Rock. So this was an example of peer-to-peer tall poppy, where because of his anger, once again found in the cutter, he decided to uh, go up and slap Chris Rock. Well, the public has a different perception of that. This now turns to public tall poppy syndrome, and the public just felt that Will Smith was too prideful, and this was an inappropriate reaction. And so, the public cut Will Smith down. And how did they do that? Well, the Academy blocked him for ten years to be Academy a member and cut, come to the. Uh, annual awards and, of course, Disney cut a contract and a few other companies. So he, he was cut down for cutting somebody else down. Now, this cognitive uh, distancing is here we are talking about, look, viewing this, and we're making our own biased opinions mm-hmm. as to some people thought that it was okay for Will Smith to do that. Some people thought it was uh, Chris Rock was inappropriate. So it's this distancing that us as a viewer gets to look at people and understand the tall poppy syndrome. And by viewing what's transpired, you should then reflect on your own self, which you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you can uh, change your mind. Uh, maybe you were biased towards maybe the inappropriate, non-moral thinking, non-kind thinking, and you can actually change yourself and become more kind. So that's actually how how these uh, book itself became sort of a self-help book because it helped you understand the negativity of emotions. The bad actions, it helps you understand the good actions and it shows you actually how you can modify yourself and become a servant and become more kind. I mean, you know, whoever does the research and writes the book or does the presentation, they're usually the ones that are changed the most. The guys that write the book, not the people in the audience. So Mm -hmm. I can tell you that that nobody grew taller than myself uh, as I wrote this book. But that, that's how understanding the tall poppy syndrome in life uh, helps you understand yourself better mm-hmm. and hopefully makes you a better person.
0: I love your work. I love your intention. I love your message. It's very clear to me. And it's interesting that you said this now about people who write books, they are changed by doing the work. So you mentioned earlier about So many self-help books are out there. So maybe that's what's happening. People are transforming, and they're writing about their transformation. A lot, lot of them are.
2: So well, uh, we can stay on that point a minute. I mean, actually, if you want to change your emotions, the best way to do it is write them down. Well, um, I mean, you're right about um, what, what we're discussing about who's writing all those inspirational books. I think they're. They're inspiring themselves first and they're the ones going through most of the transformation, probably not the readers. And that certainly was my case. But if you read some of the reviews of my books, uh, people do talk about that. But uh, if you if you write about your feelings, uh, the expression of that helps you understand yourself better and will help you. Uh, I think, dissipate and and maybe modify some of your more aggressive views. I mean, uh, the more kind you are, for example, the more bad envy dissipates. I can just tell you that. So if you're writing about anger um, and you, you really can see in black and white how sick you are, and that that's part of the first step of the transformation process. And as you're going through that, your anger will become less.
0: It goes back to that. Perhaps the reason why I have this uh, almost, what's the word? I don't push it away, but I don't use the word control because that's how I view it. That everything that shows up in my inner world or my outer world, it's to be understood It's a reflection of something, my inner world, what's happening outside anyway. So I'm always kind of dancing between those um, ideas, concepts of contemplation, reflection, understanding. That brings a lot of kindness in my world, uh, inner world. And also I I, I see the outer world from the lens of kindness. So he becomes kind too. So that's why I never heard about the, I don't watch TV and I'm not trying to push away that either. just, I'm not interested. The cancel culture. I heard somebody saying that I interviewed the other day, but then you mentioned today again, I never heard of that before. And I know it has been happening, but I don't see, there's a lot of that's happening. I know that Russia and Ukraine, there's a war happening. It's almost a reality that I don't engage with. And and perhaps because I'm so focused on this, (laughs) talking to people like you about transformation, kindness, love, and kind of elevated ways of living, more meaningful per se, that it makes a huge difference in my way of seeing everything and the perception of the world. Well, I
2: can't let... uh, um... The tall poppy syndrome goes. So, the in the, in the book, it's a world history of the tall poppy syndrome. I start in ancient Greece, go through Rome, go through most countries. and um, it, it from ancient Greece onward, and I found it in most countries. But it it is it, not only is it in country, but it's country to country, which is where we're going with this, because you mentioned Russia mm. and Ukraine. So here here you have a situation of one country uh, cutting down the other country, and you have Putin cutting down Zelensky. So you have it on a personal level and on a country level. And so there's pride in the person and pride, just like Germany and Hitler, pride in a country. So pride really drives the egregious behavior and, you know, you and I would tell Putin, there's just one thing, dude, that you have to do, be kind, and that, that ends the war.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, it really, really is. Before we get to that reality of kindness and transform ourselves and others, it's essential that we look very close into those sins, as your colleague just mentioned, the deadly sins earlier, in all this the negative emotions and thoughts we have without trying to control them, but just being curious about it and open. Because I think the more we listen to these, um, give them attention, a sense of curiosity, just being curious, the more it becomes clear that we are not separate from them, which means we are everything, (laughs) the good and the bad. So it's beautiful to see that we choose to be the good. And that has been my experience. We choose kindness over love over fear.
2: But let me uh, take that point because I can I can tell the person you are just by talking to you, and you can probably tell I'm a little more confrontational, uh, controlling and stuff. But to a certain extent, <clears throat> we have to help. We have to help the bad. And, you know, let people understand bullying. And the problem is the bullier never understands himself because he develops that behavior as a young kid and he's very, he becomes very successful at controlling his environment. And so he, he uses that in grade school, it continues in high school, it continues in the job and in his life. So if he's never called out, uh, he's probably not going to be. Uh, introspective enough to figure it out himself so we me me maybe not you so much as myself uh, I feel that it's part of my own duty to call the guy out because he's not going to change if you don't do that now you know there's two ways to call call him out one is to be controlled Confrontational, which is not going to work because he's going to dig in and it'll be wrong. Uh, it'll be a bad ending. But the good way is to shower him with some kindness. And maybe that will be enough for him to do a little, one, bullying you, but maybe do some self-reflection. Yeah,
0: that's a, a beautiful point, and that's how I... I choose to navigate those realms of so-called bad, bad behaviors or bad people. Yes, kindness has been transformative in my life, but I know it's not, not everyone is ready to receive love, to receive, interpret kindness as kindness that's another conversation, (laughs) I guess, another episode to host, right? We can have another conversation about that alone, interpretation, perception of anything, So and being ready. But today, uh, we're almost at the end, but I have so many other questions. We could talk forever, actually, uh, Douglas. I love talking to you, and I can feel your kindness, too. The way you speak, going deeper into understanding the yourself and trying to pass these messages, this wisdom on. That's a beautiful thing and a kind thing to do. So thank you so much for being kind.
2: It's my pleasure, Cici, to be kind to you.
0: If there is one message you wish everyone who listens to this episode to take with them, what would the message be?
2: I just think uh, what I learned writing my book is the most useful message is to serve your fellow man. I mean, if you'll have intrinsic happiness, you, you know, if you make a lot of money and buy goods and spend it all on yourself, you're, you're never going to attain happiness. But if you use that wealth and you share that wealth, um, you'll you'll attain way more happiness than buying it on yourself so if you if you're serving people if you, you have unlimited goodness so if you're serving people and you're kind to people you're going to find true happiness
0: mm, yes
2: that's a simple message and that's that's the easiest way to happiness that i know
0: Yes, thank you for saying that. It's a confirmation for a lot of us that listen to this podcast, but I know some of us don't know that yet, um, don't trust that yet. But yes, that's a trust that I have. And also that comes from experience. The more we share, the more I receive back. It's almost like this giving and receiving process circle. It's really beautiful. Thank you for saying that, Douglas. So, before saying goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your book, products, services, and future projects?
2: Well, the most of it's um, on Doug Garland, D O U G G A R L A N D dot com. That's my website. You can find everything on that. Uh, the book is also comes up first. Is second thing is our podcast we did a couple of years ago, but that's where most of the information is. I do tweet almost every day. If, tweet or if the tweet stays in business, uh, I usually find um, evidence of the tall poppy syndrome daily in newspapers that I follow, you, follow, and I tweet those out and why it's an example of the tall poppy syndrome and who I think is the good guy and the bad guy in the situation so it becomes easy to recognize it through my lens and I'm just starting a new website up tallpoppy uh, tallpoppysyndrome.org which may become very interesting as I expand my concepts on it but there's not a lot on that that's brand new only a couple weeks old but just douggarland.com is the best thing. Wonderful.
0: I'll have the link on your podcast profile and I'll have the Amazon link for your book as well. Thank you so much again, Douglas, for your presence. And we'll talk soon. Thank you.
2: Bye for now. Thank you. Good talking to you again.
0: Same.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Douglas Garland and his work, please visit douggarland.com.